Welcome to Turn and Talks, your daily Dallas education blog and weekly podcast from Dallas teachers. Thanks for tuning in another week. If you didn't get an opportunity last week to check out our podcast we did with three teachers, uh, all of whom are leaving their campus, one of which is leaving education altogether, one who is leaving Dallas ISD, and then one who's staying in Dallas ISD but going to another DISD campus, you should really check that out. I learned a lot from talking to those teachers and really enjoyed doing that interview. Much like I enjoyed what is ahead this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with a public school theater arts teacher. Uh, And if you are a core area teacher, at some point, I am positive that you have said that the elective teachers don't do anything art important, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Or if you are a social studies teacher like me, you have grumbled about how many resources the STEM folks get uh, compared to yourself. But one thing that I learned from this is that We really don't understand what's going on in other content areas. And also, I was able to remember some of my love for theater arts from when I was in middle school in particular. So it was a lot of fun to do. Check it out. Hope you enjoy it. And one last reminder, make sure you're sending us email questions because we've been getting a lot of very good ones, especially about the TRE, which we'll talk about in our August mailbox episode. Uh, And that is sponsored by FunCityStuff.com. They have been very helpful for me in finding out what to do over my weekends and in my spare time. And they do a lot of the hard work of finding out what is happening in the Metroplex that I just don't have time to do, especially now that school is coming back. So check out funcitystuff.com. And there is a special giveaway for the best question this month. Uh, Hopefully they keep helping us out like they have been. uh, And every month we can do one of these mailbox episodes where there's something in it for you other than just hearing me talk about whatever it is you ask about uh, Dallas education. So happy to be helpful uh, and happy that they're helping us out. That's funcitystuff.com. Enjoy the episode. I don't ever need to cook tiramisu. When am I going to need to cook tiramisu? We get gold stars when we master the material covered in class. It's just like everyone takes this class to get an A. It's bullshit, and I'm sorry. The school has lost its funding for textbooks, so you've all been given wildlife survival manuals. What kind of a sick school is this? Hmm? Hey, Miss Dumbum ain't your teacher today? I am. Welcome to Turn and Talks, your daily Dallas education blog and weekly podcast by Dallas teachers. What you'll get here this week, like every week, is a real slice of life from the perspective of two teachers teaching in Dallas, Texas. If you like what you read and what you hear, make sure to follow us at Turn and Talks on Twitter. Send us an email at turnandtalks at gmail.com, both with an S. Also, make sure you follow us on Stitcher, which is great for listening on the go, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Facebook. We have a lot of fun making this stuff. Hope you have a lot of fun listening. Enjoy. So I want to thank you, Carly, for coming on my show. I appreciate it. Of course. So usually the the funny thing is that everybody's always worried about funding for like STEM classes, math. I'm a social studies teacher. We get the short end of the stick. But you get the shortest end of the stick uh, being where you are. What do you teach? What grade level? I teach seventh and eighth grade theater. Theater. So is that uh, plays? Is it musicals? It, yes, and. Uh, we It's theater class. So we learn about acting. We learn about technical theater, like behind the scenes stuff. And really just basic, what is theater? Why does it matter? And then do it. So your kids aren't just showing up 
rehashing the same like Agatha Christie play. Nah. They're they're learning lights and all those sort of things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, you know, a theater department at a junior high school. So they're twelve to fourteen. So if I don't teach them to run the lights, then I'm running the lights and directing the show <laughs> and running the sound. And I am just can't do that. So the only way to help kids develop an interest in those things is to have them hands on do it. That's really cool. And honestly, you know, I was sort of a a bit of a theater child mm-hmm. uh, when I was in Believable. middle school, when I was in middle school, junior yeah. high. Uh, so I know my teacher, Miss Cardwell, who I think still does things with uh, Dallas Kids Theater and those sort of things. She was very supportive of us in terms of letting us write our own scripts. Yeah. Uh, which was a really cool thing. And I think I mentioned this to you when I talked about, you know, why I really enjoyed it. I thought I was going to be an actor for many years. And you still I just, could. I still could. It's, it's not still, too late. It still happen. And every day when I'm in the classroom and don't feel like being there, uh, that's that acting. acting. That's acting oh, yeah. a little bit, no, right? Te- <laughs> teaching is like my ultimate acting assignment. I mean, I throw up every day and act like I'm a teacher. I act like I know what's happening. Yeah, and- act, act like I know things about history. And then when I realized that I just made something up and I didn't think I did, you know Telling them that, hey, it's okay. All history teachers make these kinds of mistakes. Really, it might just be me. It might just be me remembering something wrong. But it looks like I mean it, and that's what's important. But I loved it because, you know, when you are on the stage, anything really is possible, right? We tell our kids a lot of times, like, you could be anything you want. And kids hear it, and they're like, okay, well, maybe they're just being nice, especially as they get older. But if you're in theater or you're in some sort of production, you really could be an astronaut. You literally could be an astronaut. You literally could dress up like a giant pretzel. You could play um, anyone you want to be. And, yeah, I think that's really freeing. And I think at the age that I get kids and when you enjoyed theater so Mm -hmm. much, it's – kids haven't built up those walls and defenses yet, so they're Mm -hmm. still willing to play. And that's one of those things that adults really should never stop doing. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and I I feel like I at times I have lost a little bit of that. How do you stop your kids from, like, losing that play, losing that fire, or helping them rediscover it again? Well, first of all, it was by being an example. Uh, I'd say I'm not your typical teacher, and I have been told by my kids that you are the most human teacher I've ever had, Miss Cagle, because I'll tell kids how it is. Like, if I'm having a bad day, I'm not going to pretend. It's kind of funny because acting is actually, it's not pretending exactly. It's being truthful, and it's living truthfully. So I attempt to live truthfully in front of my kids, even when I'm having a bad day or whatever. And, but so... What I really mean by that is that when we're playing games and we're acting, I participate. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do anything I ask them to do, and I'm going to model that. And I am going to have a great time teaching, even on the really hard days, because I've chosen this, and that's what I'm going to do. And so, yeah, lots of games. We play a lot of games, and it's great because... To the kids, they're just games. But to me, I'm learning about who is willing to take a risk, who is willing to really listen to their partner, who is unafraid to, you know, walk like a crab in front of their peers (laughs) at age 13, which like who wants to do that ever? Right. They're going to think I'm lame. Yeah. Yeah. And so games, a lot and a lot of games, but then using those games as a jumping off point for, okay, well, why did you do that? What did you do to get what you want? Oh, we call what you want an objective. Oh, sneaky, sneaking in vocabulary. And they they never know. But yeah, I'd say leading by example and playing a whole lot of games, my sneaky, sneaky games. 
So I, I'm going to say this to you. I am completely fascinated with the way that fine arts teachers, period, you know, whether it's, you know, I was also in band, I was in band in high school. And so, you know, whether it's theater or fine arts and coaches, yeah. I am fascinated with teaching people to do things with their body. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that, you know, the core subject teachers, even social studies teachers are guilty of this. They're like, oh, you, you got it easy. You can just dress up like a, like a pretzel all yeah. day. Or, <laughs> you know, your kids are pretending to be tomatoes. Like, how hard is your job? But you're saying a lot of things that are textbook good teacher stuff, right? Modeling yeah. things for your kids, right? How many – the teachers that I hated that were math teachers were the ones who said, okay, here is this page in a book. This is an example problem. Yeah. Now you do it, right? And there's a difference between that and you actually doing a problem from scratch right. on the board, right? The teachers that wouldn't model, those were the teachers that I had the hardest time – learning from and the yeah. teachers that weren't willing to be human like you said were the ones where I struggled to learn and grow in their class and it doesn't mean you know you come in you're like yeah me and the misses we had it out right and there are some teachers that will oh, do that oh and that's and the, too far it's too, yeah, too is, far no you're still teacher you're still authority like there are things that my kids know nothing about my life uh -huh. and, and parts of my life because right. it's none of their business yeah but yeah. you got the teacher coming in like, hey, eighth grader, you have a wife? Well, let me tell you, never oh. have. It's just like, oh. Well, yeah. I had those teachers. Yeah. And yeah. I remember those teachers, <laughs> but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. The, the, when you get to be my age and X random like adult factoid that they don't need, that's not being human. Well, that's being too human, right? <laughs> uh, but I, I think that a lot of what you're saying is what teachers from any discipline can take and learn from. And you try to you know, be a tomato or you try yeah. to be adults are more self-conscious than kids. Oh, 100%. And not to get too far off track, but I believe get teachers, off track. Let's go. teachers go would crazy. so <laughs> benefit from taking improv classes because improv, you know, is acting without a script. And, uh, how many times do you come in with this great lesson plan and then you, it falls on its face. Like it just doesn't go well. How do you pick up the pieces? And a lot of teachers, especially uh, I mean, well, anyone, but a lot of teachers, like a lesson fails and then they're just like, oh, what do I do? I don't know. And it just like scramble. But when you have improv skills, when you're not scared, when things go wrong, you just pick up and try something new. Uh, you're able to kind of maintain your confidence a little better because this is not the first time you've been put on the spot. So I think that, I mean, I, I think all people would benefit from an acting or improv type of class, but especially teachers. And I've thought a lot about like, wanting that to be more available to teachers absolutely and i think that just like i'm a believer in like everybody going to therapy because yeah. it's not just for crazy people Amen. shout out shout out to talk space <laughs> uh i i also think that improv teaches people to be vulnerable yes which is something that almost everybody from you know teachers all the way up to the president and like heads of nations right yeah. everybody's afraid to show a crack in the armor everybody's afraid to be silly yeah and you're just happier when you've unburdened some of that like adult stress. It's like just yeah. just just pretend that you're a cowboy. Why not? Yeah. Like, and and it really teaches you to it teaches you so many life skills. Like you have to listen. When you're doing improv and actually like you know, letting yourself be vulnerable, letting yourself not know where the scene's gonna go, you have to listen to your partner. You have to honestly react to what they give you, or the audience is gonna be like, wah, wah. Yeah. like you have to be honest and you have to respond honestly and listen and I think so often this is what I believe this is what I know and instead of going hey what do you think 
And then without formulating what they think they're going to say next, because they know that they're right, they're going to stop and actually listen mm-hmm. and then honestly respond. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we all have to agree, you know, and have these great conversations, but being willing to listen and just respond and I don't know. I think that's one, like that's a key to life instead of just being obsessed with our own agenda, but actually realizing that um, difference doesn't mean that person is the other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the the I'm going to pretend to be an expert on improv right now sure. because I know one thing and I'm going to say it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but one of my best friends and college roommates, God rest his soul, was a <gasps> was a. Uh, he was part of the improv troupe and he came home and would do improv things and even got a little bit into stand-up comedy toward yeah. the end of his life. But he, uh, he would say that, you know, you always accept, right? Like it's yeah. always yes. And yes. And, and so that, that is one of those things. Like even if somebody believes something you don't believe taking it and just like seeing where they go and seeking to understand yeah. and participate, that is something that is okay. Especially when you're talking about, you know, being an election year, a very polarizing one, oh, yeah. but to bring it back to, you know, improv, like, you're accepting something that you may not be comfortable with and mm-hmm. you don't know is coming and you are going with it. Yeah. And just seeing what happens. Yeah. And and I mean, it, it's so funny. There's a really basic improv game called Park Bench and it involves two people. One of the people is sitting on a bench in a park and the other person, uh, the second person, their objective is to get the person that's on the bench off of the bench and claim it for their own. Now, the person on the bench, their only, their only objective or only job is to respond honestly to whatever the new person says or does. And so often, you know, the person coming into the scene will be like, oh, there are ants on that bench. And the person sitting there goes, no, they're not. No, there aren't. You know, and I'm like, no, 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 no. If they say there are ants, then there are ants. And what would you do if there were actually ants? Like, good, like ants. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what? Like, that is a valid choice. Like, that's a valid choice if you want to say, but you have to make a choice. Saying no is not a choice. That just kills the scene. These are my ants. I put them on the bench. Exactly. Like, oh my gosh, my pets. Oh, Horace and Lucy and Ethel. Oh, they're such a pair. I mean, so taking something and taking it a completely different direction, like, that's an acceptable choice. But saying no is not. And I I can't help but see parallels to that, like, in life. Mm Mm-hmm. So where do you see the barriers with students, maybe with that game or maybe with others? Is it, you know, a, a lack of imagination? Is it the the fear of being vulnerable? Is it the they just got to get into the groove and maybe takes them a little longer? Like, what are those barriers that you see between your students and the spirit of theater? Oh, well, it's pretty interesting because seventh and eighth grade, you wouldn't think they're that different, but they are. Man, my eighth graders... They are a little more too cool, like, oh, my God, are my friends going to think? Like, oh, gosh, <laughs> like, huh. Uh, and, but my seventh graders, for the most part, this is just a general statement. Uh, obviously, there are kids that fall in the middle. But generally, my seventh graders are a little more willing to just be, wow, yeah. get a theater class. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Um, but then by eighth grade, they're like, oh, man, this isn't cool. <laughs> um, but what really <laughs> – So, yeah, I think it's both of the things you said. Like, it's being vulnerable and being, yeah, being up in front of people. I mean, public speaking is one of the biggest fears of, like, most popular fears. Bigger than death. Yeah. Yeah. Public speaking. And so do those kids, because I have those kids that are like, I'm not getting up there. And I'm like, well, we're doing it all together. So, come on. 
And if they're, if they have big enough fears, then we baby steps, you know, do baby steps. Like, yeah, you can come do your performance for me during lunch. Okay. Next time we're going to have 10 people in the room. Next time we're going to do it in front of the whole class. And You'd be amazed. They call that scaffolding in the oh, biz. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to education use a, buzzwords. If you want to use a education word, that's right. But I mean, that's essentially that's essentially what we do. But yeah, all of the things you said are true as far as barriers, and it a lot of times it just takes, um, just feeling like there's an accepting environment for those kids to get over the whole vulnerability thing. Um, creating a safe space and so that they can, they know that if someone, another kid is going to be like, well, that was dumb. I'm going to be like, hold the phone. We are a family and nothing that goes on in here is dumb. And if you, you know, you're not allowed to speak like that. Let's talk about conflict resolution now. Like, no, it's not Mm going to go down in my classroom. Um, so that becomes a whole nother conversation and a whole nother life conversation of like, what do you do when there's conflict? Um, so I feel like I'm just talking off, you know, off in the world here. I've just gone in my own little world off of your topic, which was no, no, you're, you're barriers. On it. Yeah, That's barriers. Where we were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the vulnerability and just like trying to be too cool. And I, adults do that too. Like we like to pretend like we have our stuff together, but we don't have our stuff together. And I guarantee, especially you, in education, watching. <laughs> watching think about the television you like to watch it's not fun to watch people have their stuff together like that's not conflict that's not interesting that's not fun to watch so allowing yourself allowing kids allowing themselves to be silly to you know act like a zebra running from a gazelle like i don't even know if they would run from each other they'd be besties but but you know know. what you you don't know know. you don't know it's a fun thing allowing yourself to to do that and just give into it and accept it, say yes, do it, and then add your own spin and knowing that your voice is what's changing the story and your voice is what's making the change in the story. I think kids don't feel like their voices are heard a lot. Well, they definitely aren't heard a lot. That's true. They because feel they like, aren't. Oh, it's, it's real. And they yeah. feel like that. And I think theater, sometimes kids don't know how to have to, to have a voice. And so when they're given an opportunity to, they don't know how. And so my job is to teach kids to use their voice. But why do you make that your job then, right? I mean, clearly you enjoy the content area. You like theater, right? Why have you made it your personal struggle to help kids find their voice or help be a zebra running from a gazelle? Like, yeah. why have you made that your choice? Aside from it's just fun to act like a zebra, um... I view theater as a megaphone for truth. So when a story is on st- is played out on stage and people watch that story, they are able to identify with what's going on on stage in a way that they're close enough because they're in the room, but they're far enough removed from the story because they're not in it in a way that is that they're able to connect with that story and kind of see parallels to their own life in a way that you don't with TV because you're so far away from it. You're so removed. It's so processed and packaged. And with theater being live and these actors being vulnerable in front of you, you can't help but get sucked in the story and then start a conversation when you leave the theater and to maybe have your mind changed about something. Maybe have new thoughts that you didn't even consider were an option before you saw them played out in front of you. And so since I see theater as such a, yeah, this megaphone for truth, this way to look at life 
under a microscope. And, you know, there's a quote that says, theater is life with all the boring parts cut out of it. Yeah. And it's true. And so getting to look at these really pivotal moments in life on a large scale on stage, whether they're silly or funny or really sincere and, and, and dramatic, you know, in a, in a sense, people and children are able to process life and have new tools to process life from what they watch these characters go through. And so that's kind of where it starts for me. And the reason I think theater is important and the arts are so important because theater is not the only one mm-hmm. um, that has huge impacts in the way we, you know, interact with the world around us and the discipline that it takes to create those stories on stage is really, really important to me. And I would much prefer to work with a kid who is going to work hard than a kid who thinks they're talented. So they don't need to work that hard. So, and, and instilling those work ethics and those, that work ethic into kids through telling stories that I think are worth telling because we can learn from people and learn from their stories. I think that's really why theater matters to me and that's why I care to teach it. And that's why that my class is unlike most other classes. That's a, that's a very poignant thing. That, that hits home for me because I was that kid that was like, not, not in a theater sense, but in a, academically, I was always a kid that was like, this is easy, I can do it, so I don't have to try that hard, and I'm okay with getting a low A, and... And then I quit things that were difficult, right? right. So, so I quit playing the saxophone because I was like, this is hard. I want to do something else. And I've always sort of steered myself toward things that I excelled with, right. uh, whether it was staying within the social studies track in college because yeah. it was the stuff I sort of already knew and I was already interested in. Rarely did I push myself outside of my comfort zone. And only really now, you know, partially because of blogging and podcasting and stuff. But there are other reasons why I've sort of gotten out of my com- comfort zone a little bit. But it is scary and it is hard to be vulnerable and you want to be good at something. Yeah. And then I've ended up sort of I, really what I would tell my kids not to do, which is like specializing early. And <laughs> I feel like when I was a freshman in high school, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to be good at. This is the one thing I'm going to do. So government, politics and history, that's going to be my thing. And I've continued to hone my skills in that area. But I can barely use a calculator. Like it's just well, <laughs> it's and miserable. I, okay. And so to kind of tie that into to what I do and what I get to teach – I mean, I love theater because another, you know, education uh, wording, like continual learning and ongoing growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Keep learning. Lifelong learner. Lifelong learner. There you go. go. That's it. And so, but I mean, doing theater, let's see. As an actor, I have learned to play the violin. I have learned to knit. I have worked a lot on like my tap dancing for certain shows. I have acquired so many skills that I... Otherwise, probably wouldn't have developed. And in each of those skills, each of those times that I had to acquire a new skill, it's not easy. It's hard. But I did it. And then when you accomplish one of those tasks, you're like, I just learned to play the violin. What? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not like a concert violinist or anything. But I did what I needed to do to get the job done. And... I am constantly learning new things. And when you're studying a script and you're reading a script and they're like, and they mention, I don't know, the someone so cotton gin. And then you have to go Google. And thank goodness for technology. Yeah. You have to go Google like that brand of cotton gin and learn about 
Why did they choose that word? Why did they choose that brand? What does that have to do with my story? What does that have to do with the time period that we're in? Like theater is all subjects combined into one. If you're going to be good at it. Right. 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 But, but I mean the, and that's the thing too, that I'm thankful for is that man, cross-curricular stuff in my class is like a breeze. Oh, what are you working on in English? Oh, great. Well, we're going to act out seeds from that and I'll have my kids write some, some, I'll, you know, um, adapt that into a script form and then, you know, we can perform it for your English class, you know, all of those things. And it's so, it just lends itself to that cross-curricular connection. And I think teachers like you that have some sort of experience with theater and get it are so ready and willing to just use us as a resource. And I'd say the more of that, the better. I definitely want to try to do more of that next year, just hearing you talk about it. Cause that sounds like a really cool, uh, <laughs> cool idea and fun. Yeah. And you know, like if a kid can teach something that they really know it, well, the same is true. Like if the kid has to write their own script about like a historical event or something, and that means they have to know that event well enough to then synthesize. These are higher order thinking skills here yeah. to create. Get all up in that balloon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember, right. I am, you know, I am also totally, I know all the right buzzwords. Okay. But which is important when you're an arts teacher, you got to talk the lingo, even when you're like, this is this is a lot. Right. I just want to go make art. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yes. Oh, this is so good. But, yeah, I think that cross-curricular stuff is, like, where it's at. And it's also where you're going to find support from other teachers and administration. Because if you can help them, like, for people struggling with support for their art form, the more that you can appeal to those other people that are also just trying to do a good job, be like, no, wait, we can help you. This isn't just, like, something we're going to do randomly after school we can help you do your job better and easier if you'll let us so the the nagging question that i have is you know what sort of originally got you into theater and you know acting and musicals you know what was the piece of art that made you say you know what i want to sing you know what 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 did that for you <laughs> wow well you inspired me to watch frozen oh, for the like 15th time last I'm weekend so, glad. so yeah <laughs> It did come out, Frozen did come out on my 25th birthday. I saw it the day it came out. It was amazing. Me and all the seven-year-olds loved it. Um, What made me want to do theater? Well, I didn't really know about theater at a young age, like in an official capacity. But I have been singing since I came out of the womb. I don't think I cried. I think I was just singing. Um, I love music. Grew up in a household full of music. Both of my parents love music. My mom has a beautiful voice, sing together, uh, loved to sing from a very young age. Then um, I was really, what really got me into theater, so I was in junior high and I actually played sports. That's what's funny when my kids are like, but I have basketball. I'm like, yeah, I played for 10 years. Talk to me about it. What now, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, I'm a jack of all trades because of my art form. Um, but I played sports and everything, so I didn't really have time to do a whole lot of extra stuff, but I got into choir, um, in like fifth grade and show choir. Actually, we had show choir at my elementary school, believe it or not. Um, before all the funding got cut. How funny how that, funny, funny funny. that. Yeah. Um, but so I was in show choir in elementary school and I was like, oh my gosh, singing and dancing. This is amazing. And that was my first kind of peek at like, Hmm, this is cool. And then when I was in junior high at, in Arlington, um, which is also where I teach, 
ironically. Um, I went up to the high school, Martin High School in Arlington, and I saw two productions there. I saw The Sound of Music, which I was just like, <gasps> whoa. And it was awesome. And then, but what really did it, that next year when I was in eighth grade, I saw Footloose, the musical of that, all musicals. Blast, yeah. <laughs> and I went and I went on opening night on Thursday night and I sat in the front row and I watched Footloose. And I mean, my jaw was on the floor. I was just like, what do I need to do to get on that stage? I will do anything it takes. Like I was bitten by the bug. I was like, that's what I want to do. And I'd grown up watching musicals like Oklahoma and State Fair and Carousel and all of the Rodgers and Hammerstein. And probably around seven or eight years old, I sat down all of my cousins and made them watch The King and I. I think it was like torturous for them. And I was like, oh, guys, it's so beautiful. That was a long movie. I don't know. Very long. Yeah. So I clearly was bitten by the bug a lot earlier in life, but didn't really have a name for it. And so, but it was that production of Footloose that really was like, I need to be on that stage. And so then I did some research. Um, uh, Actually, a friend's mom was like, well, if you want to do the musical, you don't want to just be in choir. Because I knew I was going to do choir because that was my thing. Um, And she's like, you need to get in a theater class. That's how how they'll see you and they'll be more likely to cast you in a musical. And I was like, well, okay, if you say that's going to help, I'll do it. Knew nothing about what theater was going to entail. And I got put into a theater one class my freshman year of high school. And my freshman year, I played volleyball, basketball, was in choir, and was in theater. Did a little bit of everything. A lot. Um, But I, I just fell in love. And then there are a few other moments where my mom took me to see some shows, like at Bass Hall, um, and like professional shows. And I, again, left there. I saw a production of Thoroughly Modern Millie, my maybe sophomore year of high school. And I walked out and I looked at my mom and I was like, that's what I'm doing with my life. I will be on that stage. I will be a professional actor and I will do whatever I have to to do it. And so... I just knew that when I dance, when I sing, when I act, once I had the opportunity to do those things in school, um, I felt alive and it was like, and it still is, it's like breathing. And I was like, this is where I belong. And these people, these mishmash hodgepodge of assortment of people from all different walks of life, like this is, these are my people. And I think I like those people and I think it, I stuck with theater for so long because the people you meet along the way are those people that aren't afraid to be vulnerable, aren't afraid to be honest, even when it's hard. And I think like that community you find doing theater, whether it's at your junior high or at your high school or in the professional world, like that community that is built when you're working together to tell a story worth telling is unmatched. And I'm still overwhelmed by the people that, come into my life through the work I'm able to do. Well, and you can, you can also trust those people. You know, I, th- I would always think a little bit more, you know, just from the, those that I've, I've known, they're less likely to be, you know, sneaky. I know they're actors and so they could be a spy, you know, oh. who knows. But in terms of, you know, your friends that are in theater, they're like, no, that, that idea is dumb. Like, oh yeah, you know, just, oh, yeah. you know, but I, I have solutions and like we can like do things. They're, they're much more open and collaborative because they practice doing those things yeah. on a regular basis. I think collaborative that, I mean, that's a great word and it's so true. And I think in a healthy theater environment, just the ability to cheer on people doing the same thing you're doing, like, if a friend gets a part that I wanted, great. 
that's fantastic. I'm so happy for her. And you really learn to deal with rejection and learn, hopefully you learn, that it's not actually even about you. Um, And there's so many things that go into a casting decision that, you know, you know, that's not just, oh my gosh, it's you. It's so personal. No, it's not. Like, there's so many things that go on into a casting decision that, that I don't know. I'm just, I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that if there was one thing that it sounds like to me really helped you find your find your fire, find your passion. It's being able to experience a lot of those things. And if there was one thing that I had unlimited funding for, it would be like experiential stuff, like taking kids to shows and letting them see things. I mean, my, my love for acting and musicals was not started, but definitely rekindled when I worked at a movie theater and the last movie to end every night was Hairspray. So that is definitely my favorite musical. I've seen it at least 40 times because for about a month it was, the on one repeat. that ended, yeah, it ended last every night, so that's what I had to watch for the close down the theater. And I'm restraining myself from singing like every song from that show I, right now. And maybe we can do a separate episode where we just do that, okay, we just, great. <laughs> just sing all the songs from Hairspray. But uh, so that was big for me in terms of being able to experience it. And you know, if I could fund it, you know, it'd be yeah. one of those things that I like. Let a kid, you know, once a month, you know, take a bunch of kids in a bus to go see a professional yeah. show. Or, well, and I think I think being able to see professional shows like from my standpoint as a theater educator but even just an educator in general like seeing shows and seeing being exposed to things that you might have not chosen to go to on your own for example like taking a class to go see a Shakespeare play and they're you know half the kids are like "Mm." and the other half is like this could be cool and then there's you know the two kids that are really pumped for it because they get it. Um, but exposing kids to things that are different than what they would naturally discover, I think is key because you may be teaching the next major chef of Dallas, but they've never gotten to see a, 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 a kitchen, you know, like a um, high level, like chef's kitchen right. and how that works. And so not just in theater, but in general, I think you're right in the sense that, kids having those experiences to experience things because we don't know how to dream unless we've seen someone else do it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there are so many things I could say on that topic, but just being able to see other people doing things and be like, wow, you mean I could do that? Because there was a moment my sophomore year, I will remember, I will always remember this moment. And the, I was in the car with, and the driver of the car was our assistant our assistant director for the play I was in, Stage Door, at Martin High School at the time. And we were driving back from costume fittings. We'd gone to get costumes in Fort Worth. We're driving back. And she's, like, looking in a rearview mirror at me because I'm in the back of her, you know, sports car, like, with my knees up to my face. Right, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, hey, Carly, are you going to major in musical theater? And I, just go, I was just sitting there and I was like, you can do that? And oh my goodness, I was unstoppable after that. I was just overwhelmed because I didn't know you could do that. Right. No one had ever told me, hey, you like theater? You can actually do this. And there's like a way in which you can do it through college, through whatever, like to learn more. And all of a sudden my world opened up. And so it's going to be something different for every kid. But just having the people, having the experiences to go, that's what I want to do. And now I know it's possible. I think that's super important, especially, 
you know, today. Absolutely. I mean, we do we do a very good job of dream crushing and we yeah. do a very good job of, well, you could do that, but it's not going to make you like a million dollars. You know, we yeah. do a lot of like dream limiting and dream adjusting and dream crushing. And especially with kids that are as young as you know, junior high and, and even high school students, it's like go for it like this yeah. is this is the time where you can go for it and yeah. you have a better chance of getting it than you know switching careers at 30 and being like you know i think i'm gonna be an actor people do it oh yeah you know but why crush a kid's dream and send them on that like 15 year roundabout you right know, or 40 I mean, year roundabout and, and i mean if if a kid if a kid wants something so bad that they're willing to work for it then by all means, you give it a go and you try and you go for your dream. Because I know that I almost didn't major in theater, even though I really wanted to. And the uh, all I could know was if I don't do this, if I don't do theater, I'm going to regret it. And it's the best choice I ever made for me. Now, that's not everyone's choice, even every actor's choice. But for me, I had to do it and I had to you know, keep learning. Well, I'm glad you did because now I can talk to you about all these theater things. So where can the people of the universe see, <laughs> see you do theatery things now? Uh, they can see me all over the place. I work at Lyric Stage in Irving quite a bit, but I'm currently doing a show at Theater Arlington. Um, I'm in Guys and Dolls, which is pretty cool because I was in Guys and Dolls 11 years ago at Martin High School as a sophomore in high school. So coming full circle here, um, feeling kind of old, but kind of awesome and feeling really blessed that 11 years later, I'm still doing theater and I've had so many great opportunities to do theater. And that, that's so cool, especially teaching it when the kids are like, yeah, well, what do you do, Ms. Kegel? And I'm like, well, I'm in a show right now, actually, if you want to come see that. That'd be great. And being able to still practice my craft while teaching it is such a joy. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to to end it on that high note. Uh, I'm going to try to come see one of your shows. Do uh, it. And, Do it. And I, I hope that you will come back on this show because I think you've got a great teacher brain. I want to pick it more. Uh, for oh, different yeah. teacher things. That's just the very beginning. There's so much up here. Good. Well, thanks. I appreciate you coming by. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, I need you to do two things. One, tell us. And two, follow us so you never miss out. You can find us on Stitcher, which again is a great way to listen to things on the go. I use it to listen to all of my podcasts that I like to listen to. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Facebook. Want to be on the show? You have a topic for us to talk about? Make sure you reach out to us on Twitter at Turn and Talks with an S. Or by email. Uh, our email is turnandtalks at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and reading. See you next week.